This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. The Home Depot has holiday savings of up to 40% on select appliances, like a Whirlpool four-door French door refrigerator for just $15.98. It's perfect for a busy kitchen full of helping hands. That's where its fingerprint-resistant stainless steel finish really shines. Order online and get free delivery. Holiday appliance shopping improved. Up to 40% off select appliances. Now at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Continental U.S. only. While supplies last. Valid through December 2nd. Free delivery on orders $396 or more. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee. Ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply. Here's the scenario. Your insurance company is denying your long-term disability claim despite the fact that you've paid premiums for years and your own doctor insists that you're not well enough to work. If this sounds familiar, call Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. You'll speak with me, Brian Goldfinger, a licensed and experienced lawyer who practices exclusively on behalf of accident victims, disability claimants, and their families. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. sneak peek of the Eastern Conference Finals. A tough offensive game against the rated the best defense in the league against the Bucks. The Raptors coming up short, not extending that winning streak into another 15 games. It would seem coming up short and losing 108 to 97 in a what I thought was a really good game. Some really impressive stuff shown from the Raptors. I guess more impressive stuff shown from the Bucks. There was just you could tell the Raptors missed Gasol and Norm. I'm excited to see these two teams play when everybody's at full health. The Raptors, obviously, you can tell evidence by their 97 points in this game. They're missing a little something offensively. Having Gasol and Norm will, I think, help out immensely. I'll talk about that at the end, and uh, I think we'll jump into the game first and foremost. But this is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your Samson Folk. Let's get into it. So there is very much a reverence for the opposing team that is held by the Bucks and the Raptors alike. They clearly understand where the other team is most potent, and that means transition. The Raptors, because they have a multitude of players who they attack exceptionally well in transition, the Bucks, because I think Nick Nurse alluded to it being freight train basketball, which might have been a little bit of ref play, just kind of letting them know that he thinks Giannis bodies guys on the way down to the rim. But Giannis is a freight train in transition. He's really tough to stop. Shades of 2008 to 2014 LeBron, where every couple days there was a highlight of a guy trying to intentionally foul him, but LeBron still somehow getting a shot up. Things like that happen with Giannis. This wasn't, however, an incredible Giannis game as far as scoring and plowing into the paint, but the Raptors 
losing this one on the offensive end, I think their defensive game was definitely... That was really, really good tonight and did a great job on Giannis. That started early, both teams limiting the transition possessions. The Raptors playing the type of defense we're used to seeing from them, being able to slow down the Bucks and make sure that those tertiary options, those three-point shooters that they rely on, George Hill, Pat Connaughton, whomever, Brooke Lopez, whatever it ends up being, those guys are getting shots in scenarios that they're not really used to. The drive-and-kick game was not very present in that first half it wasn't really and that that goes for both teams either team struggling from that position anyway just the way that the teams are loading up on either Pascal Siakam or Giannis even Kyle Lowry receiving quite a bit of attention but it seemed like the well the game was obviously slow to start things off both teams having a lot of trouble scoring that released a little bit as I think Serge Ibaka and Brooke Lopez both hitting shots from downtown which kind of affected the defenses a little bit, more so the Raptors just in how they're playing, a little bit more, I guess, conscientious of the back end when Lopez is lurking back there. He does have a propensity to shoot a bit better against the Raptors for some reason, even dating back to the playoffs of last year. But hey, what are you going to do? Even Robin Lopez, his brother, was able to hit from downtown from the corner. I was the only one he hit, but definitely a progression. After that, Pascal Siakam, Eric Bledsoe, respectively, for their own teams, making forays into the paint, and Bledsoe actually drawing a couple fouls. Siakam, one foul, but that was pretty much all he got during this game. Did most of his damage from beyond the arc. I think he took seven free throws, and that was a credit to Siakam for, for getting himself to the line, but mostly doing his damage from beyond the arc in this one as the, the famed drop defense that the Bucks play. Definitely factoring in the Raptors doing most of their damage from three-point land in that first quarter, scoring 27 points, hitting six threes, so 18 of their points from that spot. And that is by design. The Bucks do, that is the framework of their defense. That's kind of what they want to incentivize. They obviously don't think teams can hit three-pointers against them for all four quarters. And that's a reasonable thing. Teams are, you know, the three-pointer is obviously known to be quite... Uh, sporadic and teams they come in bunches as the Raptors poured in six of them in that first quarter Boucher I thought had a really strong quarter coming in towards the end hit a triple had a sky high put back that was right on Giannis Antetokounmpo's head he took a charge and the Raptors the pace of the game picked up a smidge and the Raptors took a two-point lead into the second quarter but overall I thought a super encouraging first quarter because the defense I thought was exceptional the Raptors doing a really great job of focusing in, making the reads really tough. There's this ever-shifting quality to their defense that makes it hard to tell where the rotation's going to come from, which makes it really hard to try and pass around the defense, as we see. Just for an example, Chris Paul had a, a great pass against, I believe it was the Spurs, where he read the tag man and started making... He looked like a motion for a lob pass to the rim. The tag man started coming over, and suddenly the ball was sailing over his head to Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who had a wide-open three. That's the type of rotation you can read pretty easily, and that speaks to the Spurs' defense being a little bit too easy to read. The Raptors really tough to read, and Giannis, Middleton, Lopez, Bledsoe, everybody having a pretty tough time navigating their defense early on, and throughout, quite honestly. Honestly, it seemed like the... The bench unit did a better job 
of getting around the Raptors defense with passing than Giannis Jace units did in this game. So the Raptors, I thought, really strong showing defensively starting on that first quarter. And, you know, a really strong second quarter offensively for the Raptors for the first, I guess, seven or eight minutes of the quarter. And that was largely on the back of A, Chris Boucher hit a three to kick things off and a three where Brooke Lopez was right in his face. And that was his second one of the game. Very, very impressive stuff. But Matt Thomas came in and they, you know, break glass in case of emergency. That guy came in and he was a heat pump. They ran, I think, three consecutive pin downs for him, and he hit three in a row. He was also able to get Marvin Williams in the air and get Chris Boucher a wide open dunk just because of his gravity. He came into the game. He started firing away from deep. He went three or f- three for five from downtown, but it was just that is the level of depth we see on the Raptors that they can just bring the guy who does profile as one of the best shooters in the world. I don't think there's anybody... Some people might not know about Matt Thomas, and that's fine. But if you're aware of him, that means you probably know that he is unequivocally, inarguably, one of the best shooters in the world. And that's a hell of a thing to just be able to break off of the bench. The Raptors did that. That led to some easy offense for them. After he came out of the game, and we saw Fred Van Vliet in his place, Lowry and Thomas getting a bit of a rest on the bench. That was when the offense kind of dried up. The <laughs> It was not really great for the Raptors. The Bucks they started to push and extend their defense out a little bit, which they can do because they have Lopez on the back end, Giannis on the back end, Middleton and Bledsoe up front, one of Dante DiFincenzo or any other acolyte of the bench coming off as well. So they were happy to concede the middle of the, well, the, middle of the half court, the mid-range section to the Raptors. And the Raptors were not that eager to take advantage of that spot on the floor. That's why on the weekly podcast for, I don't know, six weeks in a row, I've been talking about how the Raptors need to be able, one of Pascal Siakam or Kyle Lowry, mostly Siakam, will have to work in a floater, will have to work in a shot in that area. Van Vliet will have to take a couple more shots there. Lowry, for sections of the game, has to be willing to make shots from that spot on the floor and it also it didn't help that Serge Ibaka in this particular game rough game shooting not super great for him he was one for 10 from three-point land two of 15 from the floor overall really tough game I thought he was good defensively it's just the Raptors really missed his potency in the mid-range that was one of the biggest stories of the night I think is that the Bucks were able to shut them down from three-point land and from at the rim. That made things really difficult. And so when they took Lowry out, when they took Thomas out, the offense stalled out and they couldn't get to the rim aside from a really nice Ananobi drive and one. But the Bucks, they started creeping back in. They had an 11-1 run to get back into the game. And so the Raptors were only up to going into halftime. So they had a super, super strong start to that second quarter. A really fantastic start and built on the back of Matt Thomas and his gravity. So credit to him. I think that's encouraging. He he wasn't a liability defensively in that stretch either. So we're seeing really great effort from him, really great skill from him, and obviously a great job of implementing his skill and his effort by Nick Nurse. So that is encouraging. That is a weapon that we'll for sure we'll see in the coming games in the regular season and certainly in the playoffs. So that is that is a good thing. But the the middle the mid-range was gifted to the Raptors and they were very very hesitant to take it. 
the Bucks feasted on that hesitation to end the quarter, went on that 11-1 run, and that set the stage, I think, for the, the I guess, troubles in the second half because the Bucks turned that up to 11. They had a lot of success taking that away from the Raptors. The Raptors needed to either keep hitting 11 threes in the second half the same way they did in the first half, or the offense was just going to dry up. And that that's kind of what happened. The offense dried up in the second half. I think that was most, I guess, accurately exhibited by an 8-0 run and a 7-0 run in the two separate runs of 8-0 and 7-0 for the Bucks in the third quarter. The Raptors really struggling to score. I think they finished with 19 points in that third quarter. Milwaukee scoring 34. And that was because Milwaukee started to get runouts and they started to, the Raptors a little bit tired on the defensive end. And Chris Middleton kind of, I guess, the learning curve of how to play against one of Van Vliet or Lowry or Terrence Davis, he learned. He had a he had a much better second half than he did first half. He was able to abuse and back cut a couple times for a couple layups. That kind of changed the complexion of how the Raptors defended for a little bit. I mean, their defense, very changeable. And when Giannis wasn't on the floor, the Bucks had success passing around the Raptors' defense. They found players for three-point shots. They were able to get to the rim. Also, uh, I think people would be upset if I didn't note that the free throw margin was sizable. The the Bucks, whether it was Chris Middleton taking another <laughs> three free throws at the free throw line, I think he had three separate three free throw sequences there, which is, that's tough. That's a lot of, in a game where defense is so easy to come by and offense is at a premium free throws that's really tough to get around and when the Bucks were getting to the line the Raptors had a lot of trouble keeping pace and then once they got to the line suddenly maybe the will is broken just a little bit of the Raptors they're not de- they're not defending with that same effort they're not their closeouts aren't as effective because everybody has an eye for the rim now they've seen the ball go in they're the rotations aren't as crisp, and we just see Milwaukee making better passes. And so Milwaukee, in that third quarter, 34-19, really able to open things up against the Raptors. They they went down by 11, which, that's a lot. That's a lot of points. A uh, Terrence Davis hit a nice three after relocating in transition. Seemed like that's what they needed more of. He had a nice spurt in the fourth quarter, but in that third quarter, man, the Raptors could not get anything going. And I think that was a failure of the mid-range offense. We saw so many times where they put Pascal in motion. I think that's the key to getting Pascal looks against one of Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jonathan Isaac, Joel Embiid, guys who are incredible threats at the rim and can be kind of rangy out to the three-point line. Siakam is going to be defended by those guys. The top of the East with Tatum, Embiid, Horford, Giannis, Brook Lopez... Oladipo, Brogdon, the the top, Jimmy Butler even, Bam Adebayo, the top of the East is incredible defensively and has definitely has really incredible players to go up against Siakam. They need to get him in motion. They tried that tonight, and he was often able to get to the mid-range, but that usually ended up with him resetting the offense. So he's going downhill. One of Brook Lopez or Giannis Antetokounmpo, depending on how the screen went, is walling him off, and he doesn't want to go one-on-one. And I totally get that. It seems like a fool's errand to try and go one-on-one there. But if it's Giannis, that means that either the guy he did the screen with should be open because Brook Lopez will be dropping. 
Or what usually happened, if it's Brook Lopez dropping, Siakam needs to shoot it. He needs to put up a floater or pull it for a mid-range jumper because he kept resetting the offense and the Raptors just weren't able to generate any baskets. The Bucks' defense became more emboldened, started pushing out, started playing even more aggressive on those screens because they know even if a guy gets downhill, he's probably not going all the way to the rim. So they start pushing out. Suddenly the three-pointers are really, they're way harder to take for the Raptors. That's the synergy of basketball. You know, you have to, you can't just score at the three-point line or at the rim. And I know if anybody's listening to the TNT, I guess, broadcast, Stan Van Gundy went on four different tangents about analytics. Analytics does not say you shouldn't shoot from the mid-range. I consider myself a, a firm believer in analytics, but anybody who listens to this podcast knows I've talked about it ad nauseum that the Raptors need a mid-range threat. Otherwise, they won't be going to the finals. And that's that's that. And how important Kawhi Leonard's ability to punish the drop-down defense of Philly or of the Milwaukee Bucks was last year. And the Raptors need that this year. So Stan Van Gundy basically wasting airtime, not talking about basketball, just building a straw man of an analytics nerds or whatever he perceives them to be, and then taking it down every time Chris Middleton made one of his four mid-range jump shots. I don't understand it. It kind of takes away from the game. You could just talk about, hey, really nice shot making from Chris Middleton or Kyle Lowry when he was had enough patience to ball fake and then hit a mid-range jump shot himself. Talk about how he was able to manipulate the two players into getting himself open, how he used the, the role man to draw the attention to get himself open for a jumper. Talk about those types of things. Don't start going into, oh, the analytics say that's a bad shot. Don't listen to them. I, I just don't get it. Pet peeve of mine, I guess. But Raptors failing to work in that that part of the court and the Bucks, like I said, more emboldened, able to shut the Raptors down. But to start the fourth quarter, I thought the Raptors did a really great job, led by Kyle Lowry and Terrence Davis. God, could you love Terrence Davis anymore? I mean, Kyle Lowry did a good job of shepherding Davis and Hollis Jefferson to the rim for a couple baskets to start things off. Then all of a sudden, Terrence Davis, he has an eye for the rim. His eyes are as big as the moon, it seems. He steals a, a rebound from Brooke Lopez and just another, you know, chink, I guess, it, another feather in his cap, another uh, video to put together in the, the highlight reel of Terrence Davis grabbing super impressive rebounds. He goes up the floor and one. He had, a, he had a couple more layups, just impressive stuff, man. He had, a, he really had a taste for the rim. He got himself there and it looked like the Raptors might get themselves back in the game. That was when it started to get kind of close. Fred Van Vliet hit a triple. It was an end one. He got fouled during it. It looked like the Raptors, I think it was 97-92. Maybe they were going to get back into this game. Maybe things were going to shape up. But the the shot making didn't come all the way around for them. And the defense had a couple failures. I think on the Fred Van Vliet missed a three. The ball went down to the other end. Giannis Antetokounmpo hit a three. Sometimes those are the breaks. Sometimes Fred Van Vliet is missing threes. Sometimes Giannis is hitting them. And the Raptors not able to get all the way back in the game. I guess I should address also Kyle Lowry was kind of boxed into George Hill's knees earlier in the game and tried to go through his legs and had an offensive foul. I don't think it's something to be upset about or worry about. Um, I know Nate Robinson has done it in the the G League um, when he went through Eddie Tavares' knees and it was a legal play, but also Lowry kind of was... 
his posterior was catching on <laughs> the front end of George Hill, and it was quite a bit of contact. But it's funnier than it is something to be angry about, I think. I don't expect we'll see that from Kyle anytime soon again. But the the end of the game, the Raptors not able to get all the way back. And so I want to talk about how, just a little bit about how they can alleviate some of the problems that they had in this game. And I think it starts with Marcus Saul, obviously with Serge Ibaka shooting 2 of 15 in this game, 1 of 10 from downtown. Having a secondary big man who isn't going to get absolutely bullied by Lopez, because Boucher, I thought, had a very, very good game, but his limitations are still there. I thought he deserves all the credit in the world. Boucher was awesome, really fought against Lopez, but he just doesn't have the weight to bang with him. He played great within his role, but he is not a big enough guy to bang with Lopez. Few players in the league are, actually, so credit to Boucher, but having Gasol in there, not only to defend Lopez and defend any actions that involve Giannis, which obviously is going to be very important, as it was last year. Offensively, a lot of the limitations the Raptors had trying to create off of the dribble, especially without Kyle Lowry, become quite a bit easier with Marcus All, and you can run some of that split-action offense with him. And he's going to be able to make the, the Bucks pay from downtown. Significantly, not significantly more so than Serge. I mean, Serge has been shooting like 45% from downtown in the past almost two months. I mean, it's been incredible, good for him. But in a game where Serge has gone cold, being able to turn to, I suppose, it being able to turn to Gasol to maybe get some shot making from beyond the arc to punish that drop defense a little more is a really nice counter punch to have. That Well, that actually might be the Raptors' first punch if Gasol's starting, which I think he will be. And also on top of that, the Raptors sometimes a little bit hesitant to take the three whether when it was going to the weak side and sometimes a little bit hesitant to attack a closeout. Luckily, Norman Powell is a fantastic three-point shooter. Very, very good. And he's also really good at attacking closeouts. When he's playing in that linear type of way in his role, and not to mention, I mean, he's been fantastic. He's really done a great job of operating as one of the fulcrums of the Raptors offense for stints this year. And I just think having him in will be kind of, I guess, revolutionary for the Raptors offense, especially when they need shot making on the back end of possessions. Sometimes that swing pass is going to Rondae Hollis Jefferson. That's sometimes that's not going to cut it right. Sometimes it's going to OG. OG is great. I love OG. I think it's important for him to play a lot of minutes, a lot of them against Giannis. I think he did a great job defending Giannis in the first half. But sometimes, if the ball is being swung to Norm Powell, he's going to rise up and hit a three. When the Raptors' offense, which was the problem in this game, their defense was actually quite good, when their offense is all jammed up, Gasol, Powell, they're they're going to shake and move things loose. I think that's that's going to be a big part of games going ahead for the Raptors and the Bucks. The Bucks will definitely be cognizant of that. And the Raptors, I thought, for the guys they had in-house tonight, did a fantastic job of keeping up. Would have been nice to see Pascal Siakam try and work in the mid-range a little bit more often. But it's also, I mean, the guy finished 6 of 14 for 22 points with Giannis as his main check. He was 5 of 9 from downtown, but he was minus 20. So it's it's kind of tough, right? 
it's it seems like you can't ask much more of him. But in a game like this, Pascal, 6 of 14, is not super efficient, but 5 of 9 from downtown, making up 14 of those shots, is really efficient. So 22 points on 14 shots. Super impressive. But in a game like this, he needs to take more than 14 shots. The The Bucks were funneling possessions into the hands of players that needed to make shots in specific areas rather than have it, I guess, spread around as much as it was. That that was clearly a, a feature of the Bucks' defense in this one, and the Raptors not able to make them pay enough. Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam will have to be scorers more than they were on the inside in this game if they want to win in a series going forward or in the two other games that they have this year. They just need to be more aggressive in that space. And I think that if they're aggressive, they'll be rewarded. They can both shoot. It's just about kind of unshackling themselves and getting loose in the mid-range and trying to make the Bucks defense pay there sometimes. Just make the Bucks pay at all different levels of the defense. That's important because otherwise they'll be too bold and they'll get too aggressive in the two other areas. And if one of those things doesn't break, it gets really hard to score. And so we saw that in this game. And I think Marcus All and Norm Powell will definitely help with that, but also progressions for Pascal and Kyle Lowry will as well. The Reggie Evans Award, I'm happy to give it to Chris Boucher. I thought he had a hell of a game. I talked about those limitations that he had. That's not his fault. I thought he played a hell of a game. He was perfectly aggressive, played within himself, and used his strengths properly against this defense. And so I think he's well-deserving of the Reggie Evans Award. And yeah, he gets it for tonight. And the top quick reaction comment is from Mike S. So Mike Money Sign. And this is a long one, so strap in. Quote, one bad quarter is all it takes to lose to this team. The margin of error is small. That said, lots of positives to be taken from this. We put up three good quarters against the best team in the league, with Gasol injured and Ibaka having his first bad game in what must be forever. This one was just doesn't seem like it means anything. Not sure if there is anything to take away from a game like this. My big, my biggest problem was Thomas earned more minutes but wasn't rewarded. Nurse has to give some of the end of the bench guys a longer leash when they get it going. End quote. Yeah, it's uh, it is it's tough to beat these Bucks. They're one of the most statistically impressive regular seasons ever, and that's I mean that just makes sense. They're they're a very good team. Giannis Antetokounmpo is a freak of nature. He's an incredible basketball player. And they have a fine-tuned system around him, one that the Raptors might definitely be able to game in the postseason, but for this game and the game early in the, in the season, weren't able to. It's tough to beat them, but as far as taking things away from this game, the Raptors attempting 52 three-pointers, that's, that's a big takeaway. I think that does spell out for the Raptors that they have to get something going downhill more often. I think that's a big takeaway. And obviously, I already addressed that there's a lot of things to take away from this game. I addressed them. The The defense they play was really it was encouraging. Also, the Marcus All, Norman Powell, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam of it all. All those things are important. And I think that the Raptors organization will be cognizant of that and will pay attention to that. But my guess, you're one of the smartest commenters I see on a daily basis. Well, I don't see your comments on a daily basis, but you are consistently illuminating with your thoughts and insights. So thank you for commenting. But for me, that's it. I'm out of here. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye. At the Home Depot, we improve things. This holiday season, 
We've improved Black Friday. Instead of one day of crazy, we've lowered prices now and they'll stay low all season. From decorations to dishwashers, wreaths to ratchet sets. So sleep in. You're not going to miss Black Friday. Not one little bit. Black Friday improved. The best prices of the year already here at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. U.S. only while supplies last. See store for details. Just in time for the holidays, fill your home and your season for less at homedepot.com. With up to 40% off a wide assortment of select bedding and bath linens. Update your bed or bath online, right from the comfort of your own cozy couch. Even get free delivery and flexible returns. How's that for holiday cheer? Up to 40% off. Holiday home decor improved from homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Online only. Free delivery on select items $45 or more. Visit homedepot.com for more information.